All right, so we're bringing in our medical expert here on Vicious Talk, Kevin. Kevin, introduce yourself, please, and uh, hey. really explain your background and what you uh, what you kind of studying and and how you think that um, you could maybe bring to the podcast for us here. Yeah, hi. So thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. So my name is Kevin Uman. I'm a third year medical student at the University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine. Um, done research in orthopedic surgery and I'm currently interested in radiology um, and I just want to preface this by saying this is not uh, actual medical advice or like the opinions of my educational institution these are just my views alone yeah. as a third year medical student absolutely hey Kevin what's going on man it's great to have you on the pod I'm really excited you can join yeah. us here today uh, happy to be here Kevin tell me how to pronounce your last name Uman. Uman, like booming, woman, woman, woman. All right. So basically, Kevin, we want to get your insight into some general trends this season on uh, talking about the NFL this season and how you think COVID and the new rules with no preseason happening uh, could possibly impact certain players, especially injury-wise, um, things like soft tissue injuries, recurring injuries, the fast ramp up, and then obviously eventually we, want, we definitely want to talk about COVID and the spread. Um, but first, let's talk about how the, the rapid increase of production going from zero to 100 real quick, as Drake might say, uh, could possibly <laughs> create some difficult situations for teams this year and players. Yeah, it definitely can. You know, typically when we think about uh, injury, injury workload, what's going to you know, be leading to that, uh, we might think, hey, preseason's over here and you know, that's more games, more reps more opportunities for injury. Um, and, you know, that's, that's been something that's been talked about a lot. Um, you know, should we be shortening the season? Should we be shortening preseason? You know, we don't want to have our star players out there possibly getting injured. So that's, you know, one way of viewing preseason. Um, another one is what you're kind of saying is the ramp up too fast without a preseason. Um, you know, just kind of looking at the literature, there was actually a study conducted amongst elite rugby players. I believe this was in Australia and they investigated whether preseason training, uh, provides a foundation, which, uh, would decrease in season injury risk. Um, and this is the first time they've ever sort of evaluated anything like this on any sort of scientific level, uh, and what they found was that players, rugby players who completed an additional 10, 10 additional preseason sessions uh, were associated with a 17% reduction in the odds of injury um, over the course of the season. Um, so, and furthermore, like increased preseason participation was associated with a lower percentage of games missed due to injury. Um, and I'm so sure, generally... Sure in rugby, there's lots of instances where there's there's injury risk right right that's a, you that's know a, like so 17 percent. that's what i'm saying like so 17 percent is pretty significant in rugby because the in, injury management is massive in that sport right yeah, yeah. there are a lot of parallels definitely between rugby and football and so we can definitely learn a lot from the study so that's interesting to hear you say because i think i was taking such a myopic standpoint thinking you know, these guys, they, they've been sitting on their couch and now they have to go from doing that to all of a sudden running full sprint down the field, 60 yards. And that creates situations for a pulled hamstring. But 
the other aspect is it's a full contact sport and these guys are running into each other going 15, 20 miles per hour. And these are 250 pound, 300 pound guys. And so if you reduce that by three games, that could significantly reduce the amount of contact injuries. So I was, I was, I was thinking almost too much from a a non-contact standpoint, but considering it's a very serious contact sport. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so you, you, you're speaking from the, the contact side, right, in terms of rugby. But what do you think about some guys who are, uh, let's say, more inclined to have soft tissue injuries, you know, the, the Will Fullers of the fantasy football world that have made fantasy managers pull their hair out since they draft him? You know, a high potential guy, but, man, does he hurt himself a lot. Evan Ingram, Rob Gronkowski, you know, how are these guys going to be able to ramp up and start the season? Yeah, exactly. You know, if you're already predisposed to getting injuries, you want everything that you can do in order to make sure that you're not going to have those injuries. And, you know, what we saw in this rugby study was having those additional preseason sessions are associated with reductions in injuries. So I think, you know, you kind of had to look at what type of player is this guy going to be when he's not in the structured environment? Like, is he going to be setting up similar uh, types of preseason sessions by themselves or with other teammates that can simulate what would they would have gotten in the preseason. And if you think they're the type of player that would do that, that's a type of player that you might expect not to be as affected by the lack of the preseason. Um, so, you know, maybe stalking their Instagram, like looking at their social media presence, seeing what type of person they are, and what type of, uh, you know, passion they put into their, preseason workouts might be a decent indicator as to their injury risk going forward. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so ben, we do, we do believe in, in the, uh, the, the Instagram workouts, the guys who are posting the workouts <laughs> in, in, on Instagram, instead of the guys who are working out and not posting their Instagram, their, their workouts on Instagram. <laughs> mm, I think there, there might be something to that. That's something that we could study. Like, are those guys actually, uh, you know, right? performing better are they, after? Are they working yeah. harder? Like, is Cam Newton working out with his shirt off with Todd Gurley and and Quavo playing basketball? Is that is he working harder than I don't know? Like, uh, who's another quarterback? Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees, who you never see a single workout video? <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah, I don't know, but I think that's definitely worth studying. You know, that's a. Uh, this is it's an interesting idea. Let's check out his Instagram <laughs> accounts and which guys are posting the beers and burgers and which guys are posting the, uh, the, the full field sprints from the, from the practice facility. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think we could glean something from that. Um, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Uh, I guess something else to think about this with kind of those injury uh, prone players and how they're going to fare. Um, You know, something that they look at a lot in orthopedic surgery is, you know, the return to play rate. Um, Really common to look at it uh, based off of, based off of, um, you know, when they've had surgery, are they able to get back into the game? And it kind of varies from different procedures. You know, if you have like a shoulder dislocation, like you're going to get back into the game. But if you've got a, t- a patellar tendon repair, you know, 50% of those guys are never coming back. Um, so a lot of it depends on like what kind of procedure that you have, but they've seen that something that really affects it, which is something that we'd expect would be the athlete's age. Um, but it's actually pretty significant. It's about like, there's like a 9% decrease in the return to play with each 
uh, increasing year of age, right? So if say like for a specific procedure, a a player has like a 90% chance of getting back into the, into the game next year, if they had that same procedure, they would have an 80% chance of getting back in. Does that make sense? So, you know, age is something that's definitely going to be a factor into whether a player is able to come back. Definitely. There's, there are deeper analytics to study injury risk management. Like, uh, I remember very like on the, on the, I'm talking about like, like just grazing the top of the, the surface of this of this study. But like, I remember in college, I had a sports economics class where we literally would examine the the risk of taking another year of college or going pro for basketball players or other college athletes, and mm-hmm. there's ways to quantify um, the injury risk, the monetary risk. Like, there's ways to quantify those things. And what you're talking about is with this new variable of a shortened preseason, well, no preseason, shortened practices. I think I think it's only 17 um, practices with pads on, or maybe eight. yeah, less full contact. Yeah, so there's there's very lim- limited preparation time, and you're talking about another variable being brought into into the, the risk management factoring of when in this season there the guys who are already predisposed to injuries, guys like AJ Green, guys like. Um, Evan Roethlisberger, Roethlisberger. These types of guys who get, who have shown throughout their careers to being predisposed to um, both soft tissue damage injuries. Mainly, those are my main concerns. But guys who are being, who have been predisposed to injuries, are now going to have more risk because of these factors being brought into this new season. You're you're talking about maybe 20%, 15%. It's going to be on an individual basis, I'm sure, by injury, no doubt. But we're talking about general trends here, and and you're hitting on a good point. You know, so, Kevin, I mean, I I think that I'm glad we brought you in because it's good to look at this from a scientific perspective. Like, there is a history of these types of studies, like you're talking about in the Australian Rugby League. You know, so yeah. I think that I think that these are very interesting topics to talk about because you're talking about in fantasy football, it could be minimal. These kind of variables can be minuscule, but we're talking about nitpicking in fantasy football. You're talking about risk management, right. and that's one of the yeah. major themes that Connor and I talk about in our fantasy football strategies. We're talking about risk management all the time, and these types of things definitely are are, are factoring to that trend. Yeah, that goes right back to the the general guidelines of of how we want to set up our fantasy football rosters to manage the amount of risk on our team. So I think Kevin brings up some great points is that maybe you want to consider that older player who's coming off an injury this year. It's it's a non-traditional season, and in a non-traditional season, there's going to be a lot more risk. Yeah, you don't want to be like compounding on, you know, old age, risk risky season you know just based off of prior performance just hoping that they're going to get back there you know uh, like prior performance is not predictive of whether or not you're going to be able to come back from an injury it's it's if you're an older player it's going to be tougher and you're going to need a lot of training load in order to get you know your body physiologically adapted back into the game you know there's a lot your body composition might not be back to where it needs to be you know, your aerobic capacity might not be back to where it needs to be. And if you're not properly simulating that, it takes a lot of time to actually get to that point. And they've done it over years the same way. And now mm-hmm. we're doing something different. 
definitely. So, yeah, that's that's very true. So that's also that's one major trend that we're definitely te- we're talking about here. But another one that we're talking about in, the, in a very unique 2020 season is we're playing in the midst of a pandemic. So, absolutely, want to definitely bring you want to talk about kind of the impact that COVID might have on a season because. COVID is another factor to consider when you're just when you're thinking about risk management in the fantasy football season. Obviously, we're, fantasy football is like insignificant compared to the risk management that real football teams are considering. With Absolutely. This, but, but from our perspective, we're talking about fantasy football, and the the risk of COVID wiping out a, a single team for an extended period of time is definitely a factor to consider this season. So. Kevin, can you talk about kind of what COVID, if there's an outbreak among, in a team, and I know they have specific um, benchmarks that I think it's like three, three players or three positive tests in a team, I think considers an outbreak or something like that. Yeah. Um, but the, the, can you kind of talk about if there's an outbreak in a locker room or within an organization, what, what an outbreak would maybe like look like? Would, it, would, would you expect it to spread very quickly? Because football is unique, a unique sport in that there's more players, more personnel than any other sport. We've had to, we've had great success in the NBA, in the NBA bubble, no positive tests. But you're talking about a fraction of the people that are um, being being involved in an NFL season. The MLB itself has had a lot of positive tests. Can we expect more in the NFL? In the NFL, do you think? Do you th- do you think that you know? What just kind of Kevin talk to me about what you think that COVID might? Yeah, so you know you kind of touched on one of those things. The NBA is doing well in their bubble, but currently we don't have a bubble, and the sheer number of people that are involved in the whole football process makes it, you know, kind of very conducive for spread. So if we're thinking about like how is COVID spread? We have direct spread and indirect spread. You know, direct spread is me, my respiratory particles literally coming in contact with one of your mucosal surfaces. You know, that could be your nose, your mouth, your eyes. And the likelihood of the likelihood of, of direct spreading would be incredibly high if there's a contagious individual playing in a football game, no? Absolutely, yeah. So, you know, some of the ways that we've been thinking about COVID spread in our setting, the healthcare setting, um, we're also high-risk individuals, you know, NFL players are high, at this point going to become high-risk individuals. Um, we think about it in this like model where um, we kind of created an equation. It's like your risk of getting COVID is the amount of virus concentration in your breathing zone times your amount of breathing times your amount of ex- time exposed. Um, and you're going to divide that by the efficiency of your mask. So the virus concentration in your breathing zone, that's going to be dependent on how close you are to someone who's shedding the virus. Uh, So right now they have daily testing um, up until September 15th. Now, what's going to happen after September 15th while they keep those numbers down? I don't know. I think they should continue the testing and make sure people aren't shedding. But if they stop the frequency of testing, you might start seeing shedding on the field. Now, uh, the second point I brought up, the amount of breathing. Yeah. So the amount of breathing is going to be really high when you're playing football. When you're an old lineman and you're pushing and pushing, uh, you're probably going to be breathing a lot. Yeah. 
more opportunity breathing breathing like is, is a skill that people actually practice in, in athletics so like they're concentrating on their breathing all the times so right. yeah if there's if there's somebody who's contagious on the football field that's going to be the nightmare scenario that the nfl could yeah so i mean we can't we can't even uh like com- compare it to you know somebody like myself in the hospital or a bagger at a grocery store this is a, a different level of interaction that hasn't been studied before and hasn't you know we don't know what's going to happen with this close contact high breathing type of activity and you know just like thinking about the ways that we've been thinking before these players are clearly at higher risk than they would otherwise be now the the third point about that is the time exposed um so how long are you going to be exposed to somebody who's covid positive um you know and what does that that does that does that not also maybe depend on uh, the frequency of testing? Because if someone tests positive, if they're testing more frequently, so they'll figure out someone's positive more more quickly. You, you would assume, no? Thinking about in the in the game setting where you're, you know, then meeting up with another team who's like outside of your bubble. Like, what players are going to be exposed? You know, within close proximity more than others. You, you know, wonder if we, they would even have to like examine game tape to like look which which pl- other players came in contact with a potentially contagious player oh yeah and they're you know planning on having some sort of proximity recording devices so that way they can actually trace potential exposures i don't know exactly how that's going to work out but that's something that you know you're going to want to have yeah. um for this situation. <laughs> was it was connor wasn't it on hard knocks that they had somebody forgot their device that was that was monitoring that that proximity um measurement device Somebody on the Rams, I think, forgot it when they were going, walking out to practice, and one of his teammates was like, "Hey, man, you forgot your your thing." He's like, "Ah, oh, that's a fifty dollars. That's a fifty thousand dollar fine." He's like, "Ah, oh, fifty thousand dollars," and he like he went back to the locker room. It's definitely not a, not a time you want to have the camera on you. <laughs> it was a very relatable moment. Like for for an NFL player, some people think that fifty thousand dollars is like they some some you would think that some people would think that, that like. Yeah, it's just 50k, like whatever. But it's kind right. of like, oh hell no! Like yeah, yeah, if you're yeah. a rookie out there, you know that's a, that's a big <laughs> chunk of your paycheck. What 50k? That's you know a good chunk of your salary right there. Right. Oh, absolutely. It's not nothing for any of us on this podcast, but yeah, that's, that's a big that's a big sum of money. But I think there's a you know that's like you know they're having those proximity sensors while you're playing. But what are they going to do when they're off the field? What are they going to do when they're in a hotel room? And they're on the road and they want to hang out with their friends. Are they going to not, you know, hang out in each other's hotel rooms? Are they not like, what are they going to do on their free time? There's a lot, you have to have a lot of buy-in in order to make containment work. And you have to have buy-in from a lot of people. Yeah. Right. So it's going to be a lot different than the NBA bubble right because the nfl is not going to be able to have a bubble yeah. so how do they control that, people coming in and out and let's be honest i mean these guys are in their 20s they're in their 30s they they want to go out they want to see their friends they, oh, they want to meet women and how are you yeah. going to tell these guys no you, you can't go to a party you can't go to your Dude, friends there's a vegas team this year. there's a yeah there's a team in vegas <laughs> like holy cow are you kidding me? You're gonna tell those young football players they can't go to the casinos that they're like they're gonna wear their masks and they're gonna they have plexiglass at the casinos. Like, These guys just just hand, got handed multi million dollar paychecks and you tell them they can't go gamble. Come on, yeah, 
So, I mean, you have to be realistic about what's going to happen, especially outside of a bubble. And, you know, this is this is what's going to happen. And there's going to be a lot more spread than yeah. what we saw in the and, NBA, for sure. And uh, what we've seen in professional sports so far, and I'm sure the NFL is looking at it, is Major League Baseball. Because the, Major League Baseball doesn't have as many personnel, players and personnel as the NFL does, but it has closer. There's a, and they're also doing a uh, schedule where they're playing within their region, so that the western the western divisions play the west, and then the central plays the centrals, and the eastern uh, the eastern divisions play the the eastern teams. So they're mm-hmm. they're staying within regions of the of the United States, but they're having a lot of people. Uh, they've had a number of teams have outbreaks. They've had the Marlins, Cardinals have major outbreaks. A's have had some positive tests. There have been a number of outbreaks within the sport. And they've had an uh, instance with the Cleveland Indians where two players left their their hotel room after curfew, and they were then disciplined by the Cleveland Indians by their own team. They were sent to the the minor league after a quarantine period. They sent them home to quarantine. They then sent them to their minor league facility um, as basically punishment. And then they traded Mike Clevenger to the to the uh, San Diego Padres actually just the other day. So. Uh, it were, I think the NFL is definitely monitoring those types of situations. And we're seeing that you, you, you touched on, it's going to take a lot of buy-in from a lot of different people. And I, I'm not sure we're going to be able to get that from, especially, I mean, you, you don't, the type of demographic you're getting in the NFL is definitely way more diverse um, than maybe some of the other sports are, you know what I mean? So I, I yeah. And those two, I don't know if exactly. like so, you got to, those two guys on the Indians, you got to imagine like those aren't the only two guys. Maybe those are the expendable guys where they're like, okay, you know, yeah, we got it. Yeah. That we care. So you were sending you the minors, you know. We can make an example out of these guys. Right, right. If it's if your star player is like leaving past curfew, you think a team is internally going to decide to punish them? No. <laughs> yeah, and the NFL doesn't have. <laughs> uh, an offsite facility like Major League Baseball does. So, w- w- if a player needs disciplined, are they just going to cut them? Are they going to suspend them? Are they going to send them home and not pay them? Are they going to send them home and pay them? Like these types of situations are unprecedented. You know, right. there's bound with the sample size that we're talking about, there are bound to be instances where people break COVID health protocols. For sure. For sure. Um, <laughs> I think thinking I about they, oh go ahead Kevin you go ahead oh I saw that the NFL was thinking about their uh, you know some players going to be wearing face shields I don't know if that's going to be a mandatory thing oh uh, did it, are they you're talking about like the uh, the new helmets that have face masks with with masks on them yeah is that is that actually a thing I I, I didn't know if that actually got approved I don't know if it was. Okay. I saw I saw like a, a post about it. You're right. I saw on social media. I saw some sort of hypothetical post about it. I don't know if that was actually approved because I think, I you're think right. last night last I checked the players uh the players association kind of vetoed it just because there's you know clear clear it, it would have a clear negative impact on play. So I, they might have uh vetoed it. So I don't know how protective their helmets are gonna be. I don't know if they come up with a finalized decisions, but I imagine some players will be wearing face shields, which, you know, will stop 
some of that direct contact directly onto your eyes as a mucosal surface, but it's not going to stop any of the respiratory spread. Um, so you got to think about like what players are going to be most at risk, just like most in contact with other players. And I'm thinking like O-linemen, D-linemen. Running backs. Running backs get tackled at the bottom of the pile. For sure. Um, like wide receivers, corner uh, cornerbacks, they're, they're a little bit more spread out, but they still have a lot of, you know, person-to-person contact. Maybe, maybe your QB is going to be a, yeah, yeah. a little the, bit the more. The fact is that it's just incredibly unpredictable, and we're talking about unprecedented circumstances with this, and we're, we're back. It's not if we're going to see something that we haven't, we haven't experienced before, it's when. You know, it's yeah, like, what, we, <laughs> you know? what are the odds that we get 16 weeks of at the NFL this year? And that's just regular season. What are the odds we make it all the way to the Super Bowl? I don't uh, know. You know, I think a lot of it's going to come down to the politics of the situation, not like actually what's happening on the field. You they're know, we've already. About, well, they're talking about in some states, they're going to allow fans at the, at the games. They're, they're yeah. talking about limited. I think um, what team was it? Was it Miami? There was Miami a team that said, uh, there was a team that said they're allowing like thirteen to sixteen thousand fans to to attend the game or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I want to say Jerry Jones is about getting uh, about sixteen thousand people in his stadium, which is you know the size of a small town. Right. I <laughs> mean, yeah. we're talking about we're talking about coliseums for stadiums, so there is definitely space to socially distance, but. They just the, the the flow of human traffic of going in and out of a stadium. Maybe are, are they? Are, I don't know if they're going to be selling concessions, food and drinks. I don't know. I mean, there's always going to be lines under the bathroom. Right? You know, right? People are going to be in close proximity. These are things that we've been actively avoiding, which are now going to start happening. You know, people are going to be wall walking to their cars. What happens it, if there's an outbreak at a stadium? What happens if the NFL? is directly linked to an outbreak of multiple well this is gonna happen it's not when this is and this is not this is when so when this happens you know i I imagine they'll hopefully respond appropriately and stop you know allowing people into games you know maybe you you could get like a couple hundred or something you know they got to keep it pretty low because there's always going to be inflows of people outflows of people long amounts of time when people are in close proximity to each other you know, there's going to be a lot of viral shedding. Everyone's going to be exposed to it. That's just uh, inevitability. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> What's up, Connor? You back? What's going on, guys? Uh, my computer decided not to uh, use the video anymore, so I'm connecting via iPhone on the video side, still recording via computer. Oh. Got some technical difficulties. This is what 2020 is. And, you know, our podcast is dealing with it. These NFL teams are going to deal with it, too. So remember that. This is a non-standard season for everyone. <laughs> Adjusting on the fly. I like it. Oh, absolutely. Well, Kevin, I we've had a very great, insightful conversation, I thought, in, t- in terms of some of the health trends yeah. we see this year in the, in the NFL. Do you have any kind of final thoughts on, on, on anything, or, or do you think – you uh you kind of touched on all the things that you uh i would love to butt in if i could actually take a chance because i disconnected there for a while and went mute on everyone um kevin i want to talk about some of the fantasy implications that that covid could have when considering the season so you know you were talking about things like 
proximity to other players being a, a large risk factor. Um, so you would assume that would be, you know, guys on your own team, right? You're in the locker room next to each other. You're changing next to each other. You're breathing on each other. These guys aren't going to have preseason games, so they're not going to be playing each other in the preseason for the first three, four weeks, right? Um, so do you think that lends itself to more in-season spread within the same teams? Or do you think after preseason, once the regular season starts, it doesn't really matter whether you have a lot of guys on the same team within your fantasy roster. Cause then all of a sudden these guys are going to be smacking up against each other uh, every down. Yeah. I feel like it's kind of similar to like the old, like, should you stock everyone on the same bye week just like take your losses if it happens or not. Right. Like, it's going to be like a similar dilemma. Like do you take the chances on an entire team getting, COVID, you know, it yeah. kind of goes back to the equation I was talking about the amount of time together. Obviously, your own teammates are going to be spending a lot more time with than with opposing teams. So the the spread is almost certainly going to be higher within a specific team, um, probably more so than the than a COVID being specifically targeted to individual positions. But, you know, you got to think about the individual position type thing, like O-line, D-line, those guys are going to be at high risk. So if you go ahead and pick, what, the Niners defense, all of a sudden, you know, their bench D-linemen aren't looking so hot after, you know, the guys who are making full contact for long amounts of time are getting out, you know, is, is SFD, like, as good of a pick as it would have been in the past? Like is a team with a really bad bench of O-linemen like a great option for getting their running back? Like maybe those are things we got to start looking at. Mm. So within teams stack possibly the same position because COVID doesn't decide who to infect based on position. So maybe take the second and third running back, assuming the first guy might go out, but maybe not take all the starters because it might take out your quarterback, running back and wide receiver. You know, exactly. if you have Mahomes, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, and Kelsey or Hill, you get wiped out for a few weeks. Exactly. Yeah. And if you, if you, um, you know, if you look at the rules, there's, they're saying that if you test positive, you can't play until you get a negative test back. And so if you're getting that positive test a, a day before the game, like there are a lot of false, false positives still out there. The test isn't perfect. Um, so you're, you know, you want to be having some backups. There might be some great backup opportunities out there, you know, and maybe it goes back to the social media type thing, trying to pinpoint what type of player they are. If you think it's a guy who's going to be partying in Vegas and might end up with a positive test the next week, like maybe you take the chances on the. <laughs> Boy, on Dennis the, Rodman, right? What are the odds on who, who's the first positive test in the NFL? Gronkowski got to be up there, right? <laughs> Gronkowski, absolutely. OBJ and the rest of the Giants wide receivers on a yacht down in Miami. Oh, God. I don't know. I'm thinking, like, Gronkowski, like, plus 800. OBJ, like, plus 1,200. Um... <laughs> who, who are the other players that love to party this year? I don't really know. There's so many young guys in the NFL. I bet they all want to party. I would too. Can't blame them. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, speaking of Gronkowski, though, I think this is an interesting guy, right? Because it seems like the last five years of his career, he's been injured and been playing through injury. So he's one of those guys we're talking. He's older in age. He he's has like an injury history, right? But he has never technically been this healthy within the past five years. He hasn't had any contact. He's not wearing his brace anymore. So Kevin, between his injury history and his age versus him finally having some time to rest, which side would you lean on having a bigger impact this fantasy season if you're considering Gronk as a, a late-round flyer for tight end? Yeah, I mean, I think it might take him a little while to ramp back up to NFL speed play, especially without the preseason. He would be someone who would have definitely benefited from it. So I would imagine, you know, it might take him a little while to get back up to speed, but uh, from a medical perspective, you know, a certain amount of rest can definitely be beneficial. This isn't something that we typically would see like somebody who had the injury then had rest and is now kind of back to it. So yeah, I don't really have a great answer for that. For Gronk. I think that his case is pretty unique in that the type of surgery he's had, the type of injuries he's had, it like he had a spinal fusion surgery like that doesn't that doesn't get better he had he has no uh he he had a herniated disc he has no disc in between his uh his lower vertebrae in his back and so that i don't care how much rest you get that's not getting better you don't grow discs in your in your spine you don't grow them back so right gronk might beg to differ (laughs) he He's he's healthy because he feels healthy, but we're talking about a, a sport with heavy, heavy physical demand, and I, I think that it's not a matter of if Gronkowski, his injuries come back to haunt him. I think it's when, and I think you factor that into you both of you ride the elevator of, yeah, it's going to take him some time to ramp up his, his older body to, well, he's not old, but in perspective. Older, right? Older. Yeah. I'm the average going to take some time for him to ramp up but when he's hit you have to figure out when you get Gronk you have to find that peak of he's going to have some games he's going to have some two touchdown games he's going to have a good game or two and then you have to find that peak to flip him because I think that it's not a matter of when he gets hurt it's a matter of I mean it's not a matter of if he gets hurt it's a matter of when matter of when for sure you know yeah I mean yeah 30 30% 30% of players who've had that back surgery never return back to play. It's, it's, a, it's a relatively serious procedure, you know, relatively bad, you know, compared to some of the other injuries out there, relatively bad outcomes for players. Considering, you know, he has a decent number of years in the league. Um, he's not the youngest guy. Those are definitely negative predictors. The fact that he was a great player in the past is not going to help him now, and it's not predictive of future success. The thing that uh, I love about Gronk, though, is that he has Brady. That's the thing I love about him. You know, it's, it's he like... He's an anomaly in itself, you I know. I don't want to pick him, but I just love him, you know, yeah. and he's got Brady. Yeah. It's Gronk. How can yeah. you not love him? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I love him, but, you know, I didn't pick him for my fantasy <laughs> team. <laughs> I can't... Probably a smart move, for sure. I, w- I wouldn't reach on in the first few rounds. That That's for damn sure. Not, not like the old days, for sure. Well, I think that's what I had wanted to butt in with while I was silenced temporarily by by uh, computer slash Zoom issues. I'm not sure who to blame on this one or if it's just my technological ineptitude there. But uh, Ben, I think you were, you were asking Kevin a couple of questions yourself. 
No, no, yeah, Kevin. Kevin definitely had some good stuff you were talking about when you you had your little uh, disappearance act. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, d- uh, did you have any final thoughts? Uh, my final thoughts mainly: uh, go Pats, go Cam. <laughs> I love it, dude. I'm, I'm pumped for Cam this year. I want I want to see it. I think I think Belichick and uh, McDaniel's they they they. They have their uh, they have a new like shiny sports car, you know. They've been driving like the old classic Shelby for a while, and now they got like some sort of new Lamborghini sports car. They, for sure. Time for them to unleash, you know. It's like the second ex-wife Bill Simmons keeps talking about on his podcast. Dude, that's <laughs> true. They got a second ex-wife. You don't you don't like you don't you don't like divorce with your your first wife who's like a blonde and go to another blonde like you you have like a beautiful blonde as your first wife and then like a another like fiery brunette right right like, you gotta right? switch it up make it, make so, it totally this is this is the second era this is the second pat's era yeah if my wife like, might Whoa. watch the podcast i just want to say <laughs> i would have stuck with brady the whole way baby <laughs> <laughs> yeah That's but funny. you know it's gonna be an interesting ride for sure yeah i mean we're just redefining the team at this point. So, <laughs> right. It's a brand new team, but the only thing is, I'm, I'm, for the Pats I'm worried about is uh, they have a lot of people sitting out the season. They have a, they have some significant people. Right. There's a lot of conspiracy theories out there that Belichick knows that the season's <laughs> going to end early, so he's tanking for a new mm. QB. <laughs> if he wants the draft pick, I wouldn't be shocked. Well, Kevin, man, thank you so much for making the time out of your busy schedule and keep fighting the good fight out there, man. And we're, we're really hoping that you stay safe. Yes, and please social distance and stay safe and, you know, care about other people. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much, Kevin. I appreciate it. It was awesome. Yeah, take care. All right, buddy. Thanks, man. We'll talk to you later. All right. See ya.